going on, FN Nation? Welcome back. Another edition of the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin, joined by Matt Sells, the FSWA two-time NASCAR Writer of the Year. Matt, how are you? Uh, do you want to vent a little bit about Darlington and one Christopher Bell? <laughs> um, well, it's either that or venting about my Nationals losing a terrible game to the Phillies, which I'm sure nobody wants to hear about right now. Um, so yeah, let's vent about Christopher Bell and how his car absolutely gave up on him in the last 10 laps of that race at Darlington. Uh, guy had a great run for the first, you know, 90, 95% of that race. And then it just, he just gave it up in the end. Um, I was up about 2,800 bucks on FanDuel with about, I don't know, five, 10 laps to go. And somehow only managed to win 150 bucks, even though there was no cautions, no crashes, nobody like, you know, had any serious issues in the last 10 laps only because Christopher Bell went from, like, 7th to 14th. So, uh, that kind of sucked. I had that red right, and then he just gave it up there in the end. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, everybody's saying it was a boring Darlington race because Martin Truex Jr. led something like 230 of the 292 laps. Um I disagree. I think it was pretty intriguing watching. Now, I will tell you that Fox was terrible on their broadcast yet again. Um, is that part should... of, like, the complaints by NASCAR fans is that maybe it's not the racing that's boring. It's just Fox's coverage is pretty suspect at times. Yeah, Fox's coverage is pretty bad. When I find out about the best passes of the race on Twitter from clips that fans got, uh, and you're supposed to be one of the major broadcast partners, and you're only showing Martin Drex Jr. do 230 loops in a row. <laughs> um, it was pretty bad. I mean, at one point, Truex had a 10-second lead, and you were still showing him, like right. something could have catastrophically happened. Um, you know, Larson made a heck of a pass going three wide at one point. Uh, drivers were having to fight their cars all day, and nobody saw any of it because... Fox has an infatuation with only Clear. covering the top two cars. And it's it's just so bad. I hope when their contract comes up at the end of the year, they honestly don't get it back. All right. We'll turn our attention to Dover this week, the Monster Mile. Uh, plenty to get to. Luckily, there's no truck race this week. And it's not that I don't like covering the trucks. It's just I like the weeks where I only have to do one playbook. So... We'll get to the Xfinity and the Cup Series coverage, but let's go over the Monster Mile. This is a pretty high bank short track, correct? Yeah, it's a one-mile track, as the you know nickname implies. It's all concrete. It's pretty highly banked. If you want to basically think of it as a Bristol that got elongated, uh, that's a pretty decent comp. Obviously, a regular Bristol, not a dirt Bristol. Um, that's a pretty decent comp. Other than that, there's not really any other tracks that really compare to it because it's an all-concrete track. It's one mile. The other one-mile tracks on the schedule uh, are flat in New Hampshire and Phoenix. Um, but, yeah, it, it can be a pretty crazy track because it is a fairly narrow racing surface. Um, and if you have a problem on a restart or early in a run, you can get... Um, several car pileups uh, happening. Um, it's also known as a track that's a little bit of self, you know, self-cleaning track because if there's an accident up at the top, the banking is so steep that guys will slide towards the uh, 
inside wall, which at times can help uh, keep things single car incidents. But um, it is a pretty brutal track for like physically for drivers and equipment. So you will see a pretty decent amount of equipment issues uh, this weekend on both uh, Xfinity cars and Cup cars. Uh, any particular notes regarding the schedule for this week? Um, not particularly, other than uh, I will be out of town on Sunday. Um, I have a friend's gathering to go to um, down in Kansas City. Um, so I will be out of town for the day, which also, by the way, means that I probably won't watch much of this race unless I watch it on replay. Um, so we'll see how, how much I twitch while I'm at my friend's gathering there because I'm not watching the race. Um, so Dan will have you covered for race day updates um, for tech inspection and stuff. He'll be all over chat um, and whatnot because I will be driving at that point. So not great idea to be uh, reading and texting and twittering and driving at the same time. Not a good idea. So, um, so yeah, other than that, the schedule will be the same. Track breakdown will be out Thursday. DFS rankings and projections Friday. Playbook will be out on Saturday. I will also cover the core plays. I'll set them to drop probably some point Sunday. And then depending on what happens with tech inspection, Dan can go in and update those. Yep. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's the coverage from the cup side. How about you there with the Xfinity coverage, Dan? Um, Xfinity playbook will probably be out Friday night, Saturday morning. The issue is uh, I... Mm, the race is at 1.30 on Saturday. I don't know if I'll be in the chat Saturday afternoon. I have a pretty big job interview that's kind of occurring in two stages. It's Friday and Saturday. Um, so I probably won't be in the NASCAR chat Saturday. Obviously, I'll, I'll be in there Sunday covering for Matt. Um, I know. Well, Sunday's then how about this? We roll reverse and I can cover Saturday chat. That'll work. <laughs> and, and help people with Xfinity. Because, uh, we, you know, I, I, I can do a little bit of digging into Xfinity. Okay. Uh, and see how um, things with no Braxton's appeal win. So uh, so I'll still have the write-up in the, in the court plays. Uh, I was actually, I, I worked from home today and was able to watch some of the race from last year. Took some notes. Um, but Sunday for the cup race, I'll be in there from 8 a.m. to noon Eastern time. And then I have to duck out a little bit. But I'll be back in around 1.30 up until line o'clock. Um, that's really all I have. It's kind of nice to get a week without the trucks, but do you just want to preview Xfinity really quick and then we'll jump into cup? Yeah, we can. Cause there was some news that broke today that changes the lineup for Xfinity and how we should be viewing some stuff. So Noah Gregson won his appeal. Uh, so he gets his, he was, in, he was disqualified after last week's race, won the appeal. So he quality, he finished, I believe fourth at yeah. Darlington and he gets his dash for cash money. Um, so he obviously qualifies again for the dash for cash this week, right? Yes. Uh, so that's going to shake up the starting order. Uh, whatever Bob Pockris tweeted out earlier today with Gregson starting 27th, that's not going to be the case anymore. He will be starting higher. Uh, I don't know if they've officially announced the standings yet. Or the start. Uh, let me double check. Uh, I am on J-Ski right now, actually, so let me double-check. Because, yeah, they use, in Xfinity, they use a similar formula uh, for the starting lineup. So it does look like they have changed it, and I see 
that the starting lineup by row for the uh, Dreading 200 has Noah Gregson starting third. Lucky him. So um, you have Hemrick <clears throat> on the pole, Allgaier second, Gregson third, Brandon Jones fourth, fourth. Harrison Burton fifth, Josh Berry sixth, Almondinger, Clements, Haley, and Moffitt round out the top ten. Uh, so Gregson's going to be in play as always. Uh, his his uh, driver averages, uh, his profile is actually kind of insane. It seems like he averages like a top seven finish at almost every track. Uh, I know this year he's literally been checkers or wreckers, more wreckers than checkers. Um, but he's going to be. But it is a dash for cash, and he's won what four of the last seven? I think we said. Yeah. So <laughs> he uh, he races well for the money. Um, we get Ty Gibbs again this week, eleven thousand five hundred. Uh, again, I, I, I was right in my assumption to be light on him last week, even though he put up 41 points, but at the price tag, he still couldn't even exceed 4x value. Uh, I haven't really done deep research into this one for him, but if I'm looking at it right now, I'm looking for guys to, if I'm paying up at that range, I want guys to dominate. And yeah, I just he's don't, now starting 14th. So. Yeah, I don't know if I have much faith in in him really dominating the race. Um, given yeah, this, who's is, starting this tends him. to be a track where it's harder to move up because it's so tight. Um, now they are in, at least for Cup, they're in the 750 horsepower low downforce package this week. Xfinity, the packages don't really change all that much. Right. Um, but it does still tend to be a track where it's a little tougher to move up 14th is still fine to have a shot at dominating. Um, but much past that is tougher to find dominators unless something goes horribly wrong for people. Yeah. Um, we also have some pretty interesting entries. I know John Hunter, Hunter Nemechek is, uh, starting 30th. He's 10,100 on DraftKings. I don't believe he's in the greatest equipment. Uh, I think he's in the 26 for Sam Hunt Racing. I know that's what DraftKings has. I know sometimes their profiles are a little wink wonky. Um, uh, yeah, it's the 26 according to the official <clears throat> starting lineup I'm looking at. But he's in the, he's he's a good driver. Uh, he can pilot that to a good finish. Uh, the 23 is in play this week. Uh, God, I'm going to sound like an awful host because I don't know who is in it off the top of my G. Yaley's in the 23? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I really want to go to Yaley at 8,100. Starting 31st. Yeah, I do really like Daniel Hemrick. We were talking before the podcast that Shut in his up. last... Shut up, Matthew. <laughs> um, we were talking before the podcast how he has a top five uh, average in his last four Dover races here. Uh, he's on the pole, and so I think especially in single entries, if everyone's flocking to Allgaier, who has a very, very good history at Dover... Uh, I think Daniel Hemrick is, is a nice paydown option. He's $1,000 cheaper. He's still in the front row. This is the best equipment he, he's been in in his career. Really solid finishes. I think he's got five top five finishes this year. I think if he gets some dominator points early on and still gets you top five, he can he can be perfectly fine in GPPs. Um, and Ryan C is a guy that I'm kind of looking at. Uh, not Not an explosive resume here. Uh, but I believe that if people are trying to pay up for two guys in the in the 10k plus range, they're going to be having to dumpster dive possibly below Ryan Sieg. And Sieg is he's he's run well here. It's just the the finishes have just been a little ho hum, kind of top 12 to top 20. Um, he's starting 12th. He's 7600. That's a guy I'm really looking at in GPPs. Brandon Brown is in play. He's the nice play of the week. Starting 19th, he's 6900. Has kind of cooled off from his hot start that he had to the beginning of the year. Um, 
could be another week that we look to Bailey Curry at 6,100. Uh, so, again, Timmy Hill's 4,600 uh, starting P22. If he just kind of holds his spot, he'll be fine. Um, but, again, we'll have the full breakdown. Those are just some quick-hitting thoughts. Uh, salaries came out about two hours ago, so I've just been kind of, like, playing around building lineups. Uh, but with that, Matt, we can start looking to the cup race. I feel like this is the quickest we've gotten to the cup race in any of our podcasts this year. It's been a quick one, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess there's a little bit less to break down or a little bit less ranting to go about. I mean, there's certainly... There's not as much news, because I think last week right. we had the next-gen car to talk about. We did have the next-gen car to talk about and um, a couple other... Uh, things about how much we hate Coda now because they have same day qualifying going on, which is gonna really stink. Um, but yeah, this is um, you know the first of I believe two trips to oh no the only one trip to Dover this year because the second trip to Dover got replaced with Nashville Super Speedway. Yeah. Um, that just that just reminded me there. Um, all the talk about the Nashville fairgrounds hearing today uh, and yesterday. Uh, yeah, so this is the only stop for the Monster Mile this year. Um, there was back-to-back stops here last year after the COVID break. They raced uh, both races uh, in a weekend, um, which was oh so fun to cover. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's a pretty interesting slate we've got going on here um, in terms of um, you know, how it sets up, there's gonna be a chalk value play, I guess. Are we trusting Eric Amarola that much to be a chalk value play starting 32nd? Well, it really wasn't his fault that he got dumped last week. That's true. It, it was not his fault. He seemed fairly... And he's run well in this package this year. He has, and he's done pretty decently uh, at Dover, if memory serves uh, correctly. Yeah, he's got an average finish at 15th. In the last seven races here. So not spectacular, but if you're starting 32nd, uh, there's room to move up there, clearly. So, um, so yeah, he's probably, people are probably going to go back to the well with him, I would assume. Um, starting 32nd, that's a that's a nice uh, amount of position differential that he can get you. He's $8,200 again. He only needs um, to finish 17th for 5X value. Well, yeah, so... I mean, we've seen him finish, put together a run of a couple of top tens here in a similar package. So, I I will probably have exposure again to Eric Amarola because he's like a bad habit. I can't quit. Uh, <laughs> but really, anybody starting, I mean, past Kurt Busch, he's really the only one you're going to trust. Right? Cole I mean, Cluster. Well, let's talk about some Cole Custer because we were you brought this up before the podcast asking me about him. Um, he's run well here. He's only got two races here in the Cup Series, um, and he also but, started much higher, so it was easier to hold the position. Right. He started. He's got an average starting spot of fifteen and a half in those two races. An average finish at ten and a half. Um. So, you know, there is something to be said for that. He finished eleventh and tenth. So it's not like one of them was 15th and one of them was, like, 6th, right? They were 11th and 10th. Yeah. Um, so he does have a history of moving up. He did start 21st when he finished 
eleventh, uh, and then th- things reversed on him the following day. So, yeah, he ran, well, he ran well here in Xfinity as well. I think the thing that concerns me is that I just did the math, and he, like Almarola, needs to finish in about the top seventeen, top eighteen to hit value. And I have it's easily uh, you have more faith in Almarola to do that than Custer. So while Custer, yeah, which has, is interesting because they're in the same, they're on they're the same in, team. They're on the same team, right? They're in basically the same equipment. So, yeah. um, it's just Almarola's been around longer, obviously, right? He has a longer history in the Cup Series than Custer. Um, I'll have exposure to both. Custer does save you some money; saves you about five hundred bucks. Um, compared to Almarola on DK, and then he's going to save you. Uh, let's see, Almarola is seventy five hundred on Fanduel, and Custer sixty five hundred, so he saves you about a thousand bucks on Fanduel. Um, so yeah, I mean, those would be, I guess, the three furthest bad guys that I would trust, right? Kurt Busch in twenty eighth, Custer in thirtieth, and Almarola in thirty second, which kind of stinks because they're not exactly budget options, mm-hmm. but. This is also a track where if you get one guy hooked up very well in the package, like we had last week in Martin Truex Jr., you can get a lot of guys that get lapped fairly quickly here because it is a one-mile track and the speed stays up because it's banked. Um, So, turning our attention to the front of the pack, though. (laughs) It's very rare we start off previewing a race with Eric Almirola and Cole Custer. Yeah, right? It's kind of a... (laughs) We're working this one in reverse a little bit here. Um, Truex, it's going to be very hard to avoid Truex. He's on the pole. The last four races here, his average finish is 1.8 while leading about 60 laps and 45 fastest laps. Uh, He has seven top five finishes in the last eight races here. Uh, This is... So, as part of a running joke... This is one of Truex's home tracks, and I say one of because he's in New Jersey. There's no actual NASCAR track in New Jersey, so he considers anything that's in like the New Jersey area to be a home track. But this is the closest track to where he grew up in southern Jersey, so this is basically the best you're going to get in terms of a home track for Truex. Uh, he's done very well here uh, in the past. He's been known to dominate here, too. Um, so yeah, getting him on the, uh, on the pole at a track with this kind of history, he is the most expensive guy on DK and, uh, the most expensive guy on FanDuel. But if you can get, you know, Dan and I were talking about this before the pod is that we don't necessarily, at this price, you don't just want 5X from him, right? You're, you want more like 6X from him. And on DK, that's going to take over 70 points to get there. Um, but if he finishes second, leads 60 laps, gets 45 fastest laps, that's enough to do it. That's like 80, you know, 78, 80 points. Um, but yeah, you're basically going to need him to dominate and you're going to need him to finish probably top three to really hit value for you. Can I ask you a a little lineup theory when building around your Rex? So if you're making, uh, 20 lineups, would you probably throw him into seven or eight of them? Yeah, I might throw him in a little bit more. So what percentage, this is going to sound confusing, what percentage of your Truex lineups are you building like a two dominator lineup? And how many of your Truex would you, lineups would you build around him where you're 
taking the bold approach of thinking like I'm going to do a solo dominator build with Truex because at 11,900, if I'm, it's, it's not just the fact that we're looking for six, seven, eight X with Truex. It's that there's the possibility that he does what he did last week and he's the sole dominator of the race. So I almost want to do a few builds where I'm building it in mind where he is my lone dominator and I'm looking elsewhere for PD with like Eric Amarola, Kurt Busch, maybe Cole Custer, but given that he has to finish in the top 17, I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to even go to like 25% on Custer. But at the same time, like I, just going back to my point, I, I do want to mix in about half of my Truex builds as if he's the sole, as if he's just the one guy that dominates the race. Yeah. And I do get that. Cause at that price tag, you're kind of selling out for that, right? Yeah. Like at almost 12 grand on DK and 14,000 on, I mean, the 14,000 on FanDuel is a little less prohibitive because the average driver you can build around is 10 grand. Whereas on DK it's 8,300. So, you know, four grand above the average on DK is more prohibitive than four grand above the average on FanDuel. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we got to, th this discussion now transitions into who else we think can dominate and what price they're going off at, right? Like, you're not going to fit Truex and Larson into a DK lineup and be happy with, like, the last four dudes you put in there. Yeah, because that leaves you with 6650 for the remaining four drivers. Right, because Larson's, what, 11.5 on DK? Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about 66.50 for the last four drivers, guys that are 6,600 and below are Busher, Chastain, Suarez, McDowell, Briscoe, Priest, LaJoy, Alfredo, and then your normal punt dudes and Haley and Davison and, like, dudes that shouldn't even be mentioned. None of those guys are all that appealing this week. Right, so, and and we tend to avoid trying to punt in the Cup series because the difference in a punt in the Cup series and every other series is a massive difference. Um, it's almost Chris like Busher, if you're gonna... though. Go ahead. I will say Chris Busher might be intriguing if he can hold near a top ten because he's starting tenth. So if he can hold near a top ten, then he becomes a lot more intriguing because. There's value there at that price tag, mm -hmm. right? Um, Briscoe, I don't know. Do we trust Chase Briscoe yet? Where is he starting? <laughs> He's starting 17. 17th. 17th? That's right in that, like, <sighs> like middle ground spot, right? Chastain yeah. starting 19th? I'd rather go to Chastain. Trust Chastain at this point. Yeah. Right? And uh, our esteemed colleague who frequents our... Our podcast, Mr. Edward Rouse, has pointed out that the last five weeks, the winner of the 100K tournament on DK has had Ross Chastain in their lineup. I mean, he's finished. His last five results were 15th last week, 14th at Kansas, 16th Dega. Dega. Yeah. Um, 15th the week before. I forget which one that was. It's, it was after Martinsville. Richmond? Yes. And then a 17th at Martinsville. So regardless of the track and the style... You know, and, and his price tag isn't jumping at all, and he's still routinely getting right. 32 to 39 DK points. And and some of these points are coming via uh, some cheap laps led. Um, but at the same time, that's still points. He's still contributing. And so, yeah, like this is another guy that we can go back to, and he's still starting just inside the top 20. And so 
there's there's room for and it's it's the best equipment he's ever been in. Oh, for sure. Um, and his his confidence is building each and every week mm-hmm. with continued top twenty finishes. So I have no problem going with Chastain and Busher, right? You get ten you get two guys starting in the top twenty for less than sixty six hundred bucks. Um so you know, when Chet when when Busher has been starting in in or around the top ten, he's been pretty good at holding that spot. I mean, last week, um, you know, started eleventh, finished ninth at sixty five hundred bucks, gave you forty points. It's nothing really to sneeze at. So it's doable. So to get back to your original question, it all comes down to who we think is going to be a secondary uh dominator here. I can throw out a few. Right, so do we think this is Chase Elliott's week to show up? Is he that good at Dover? He's been decent enough at Dover to consider him. See, my thought process was is that if I'm paying almost twelve grand for Truex and I wanted to go with a potential second dominator, I'd almost go under ten K to like Harvick, Logano, Bowman, who also gives you uh, some PD and I'd go to William Byron who probably won't have a ton of ownership because he's starting I think in the second row but he's yeah. less than 9k and he's starting up front and there's if he can hold his spot for the first stage uh, there's an opportunity for him to possibly get dominator points in, in the next two stages and so like Byron is an intriguing maybe single entry uh, GPP play for me um, but when he started this high the past few weeks he's, he's kind of gone backwards and he, I mean he's only in his last four races he's led 12 laps and those came at Dega so I'm a little weary of the potential dominator points for Byron yeah what do we think about Kevin Horvick the track history is there for him for sure right but this is we also said that about Phoenix and he didn't do anything we said it about Atlanta he didn't do anything he's did well at Darlington but he's looked better like as far as the eyeball test goes the car has looked better yes um but again you know it's it's just when i when i look at drivers in this 750 horsepower package it's like i really just want to look at the jgr guys yeah i mean i i can understand why um and by the way side note um joey logano will have a um backup crew chief this week because his normal crew chief got suspended for a lug nut thing, and Brad Keselowski will again have a backup crew chief because Jeremy Bullins is still out with uh, COVID protocol. So that's two Penske guys on backup crew chiefs, and Keselowski looked absolutely lost last week. <laughs> it was so bad. It was kind it of was, sad. It was. It was just. I yeah. That it was, was like a three-hour wet fart from him. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, he just started. <laughs> It's like somebody tied rocks to his car and said, here, you drive this while everybody else doesn't have that. So um, just keep that in mind if you're going, well, you know, they're, they're still Penske cars and whatever. Well, crew chiefs clearly matter and setup matters. And um, What and package what? did they run at Richmond? Was it the same one? Yes. So, all right. So if we go back to that, we go to Martinsville and then we go to Richmond. Hamlin uh, led over 200 laps. They also ran laps. this package, by the way, on the dirt track at Bristol. Uh, and that's another one that Truex kind of dominated. Yeah, uh, and Logano won. <laughs> um, 
And then, like, so Truex led 100 laps at the Bristol Dirt. Hamlin right. led 200 at Martinsville. Uh, Hamlin led 200 at Richmond. Truex led 100, and Truex is coming off a race where he led almost 250 laps last week. So when I'm looking at this particular package, it's clear that there are two guys that are just kicking right. the rest of the field's ass. Well, okay, but to be specific, heading into Darlington last week, Denny Hamlin had led nearly a quarter of the laps run all season. So it hasn't necessarily mattered what the package is for Denny yeah. Hamlin. That guy has run up front and has not won. So obviously Darlington, not the best showing from the 11 car. It was a solid showing, but not like, you know, started seventh, finished fifth, 13 fastest laps, five laps led, which I'm pretty sure happened in like a, a you know, green flag pit cycle. Um so I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting because talking about secondary, you know, dominator guys, and we can one by one kind of eliminate other guys. You know, don't expect Keselowski to do a whole lot based on setup, and this hasn't always been the best track for him to begin with. Um, we hope Kevin Harvick can show up and lead some laps. He's under 10k. That would be the guy we take a shot on. For a second dominator. Um, I don't mind taking a shot on Bowman or Byron. But, I mean, you know, Kyle Busch at 10K. I'll take a shot on Kyle Busch. And Chase Elliott. So where do we go to next? Because, I mean, we started off with Custer and Almarola, And then we preview the dominators. But we were kind of all over the place with the dominators. Yeah, I mean... But I feel like that's kind of how the, the the field is setting up this week, right? It's kind of all over the place with, with how guy like with where guys are starting because you've got some big names in the back, you got some big names in the middle, and then you got the the guys up front who we kind of expect to dominate, um, but have been a little hit and miss. Um, is this the kind of track though where you don't want to start um, too many drivers in lesser equipment because? Um, I I was doing some digging and I saw like a lot of people talking about how this package, um, the cream kind of rises to the top with the, with the top four teams and maybe, you know, the, the RCR guys and the, and the CGR guys where it's like, I don't want to start too many. I don't, I don't really want to go dumpster diving is really what I'm getting at. I'd like to build lineups with guys that don't fall too many laps down. This is a short track. Uh, there will be some guys that are. There's some. There's going to be bad equipment that's a lap down by the competition caution. Yeah, for sure. The guys that are starting probably thirty third and behind are going to be at risk of going a lap down um, by the comp caution. It, I mean, your point about it being a short track is a good one. We should probably be treating this like a short track in which. Um, you know, passing is going to be tough. Track position is going to matter. Laps led is going to be an important stat. There are 400 laps in the cup race. It's 400 miles. Um, and guys are going to get lapped. And if they get lapped, you're going to have to hope for cautions, which could happen in the 750 horsepower package. Because as we saw last week, they can be quite a handful to, you know, keep off the wall and keep out of trouble and whatnot. So, um, you know, do we want to talk about some guys that we might be avoiding this week? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, I think I got to lead it off with Michael McDowell again. 
that's yeah. I mean, I don't see that. That like, that's, seems fine. He's starting twenty first again, right? I don't mean to pick on Michael McDowell, but like he always seems to be starting a little bit too high for what we like to play him at. Yeah. Um, and he just hasn't really done much here. Uh, of late, I know this is a better season for him than he's had of late. But to be frank, he's well, kind sure, of he been playoffs. <laughs> what? Well, sure, he made the playoffs. Yeah, exactly, right? Because he lucked out when the Penske guys crashed each other out at the end of the Daytona 500. Um, you know, we already talked about Ross Chastain. We'll play him. That's fine. To Benedetto, I don't necessarily have a problem playing him starting 18th. I think he's a, a decent play in this package. Chase Briscoe, I'm not playing. He's starting 17th. I'm not that Yeah, intrigued. if you hit the Briscoe sweepstakes last week, good for you. Yeah, right, so... Um, if I change my Briscoe, if I swap my Briscoe and Custer exposure last week, I have a, I have a much, much better week. If I avoided Eric Amarola, that might have helped, too. I didn't play that much of them, but I did have some in that that got. I had too but. much Almarola and zero Eric Jones, and I'll acknowledge Jones was the better play clearly, uh, but still wasn't overwhelmed with his four X value. No, but he did look a lot better than what he finished. Right, like he was running inside the top ten for a good chunk of that race, mm-hmm. um, and then he he the last pit stop. I don't think he made the proper adjustments, or he he just kind of faded there um but he was running top 10 for quite a while um did have 20 fastest laps so um you know speaking of eric jones this has been another decent drag for him again the equipment was far better than what he's in now but this kind of goes along with darlington in that he has said he can get into a rhythm here um and that kind of matters it doesn't necessarily matter the equipment if you get yourself into a rhythm you can outperform your equipment. Uh, we've seen it happen time and time again. So, um, yeah, I will probably have a little bit of Eric Jones uh, in my lineups. Again, he's starting 23rd. Um, have you talked about Ryan Newman yet? We haven't, and I'm probably off of him starting 13th. Really? Just not enough PD? Yeah, I mean, in the last eight races here... Um, you know, Ryan Newman has put up, he started an average of 16.1 and finished an average of 18th. So not, not great, not terrible. Um, in the last four races here, which includes last year's double up, he has an average start of 17 and a half and an average finish of 20.8. So this has not been one of his better tracks. Um, he does. For Nashville, I saw his paint scheme for Nashville coming up, which is going to be the planner's peanut uh, on that car. But uh, it's just... I mean, if you want to take a shot on him because he's cheap um, and you think he can hold his position, okay. But, I mean, in, in this package, he also hasn't really had uh, that great of green flag speed either in the last nine races um in this similar package he ranks towards the bottom in green flag speed his average green flag speed is like 24.4 um not great 
Would you rather go with Newman or Ryan Priest, who is starting 12 spots further back, about $1,000 cheaper? Priest's recent results outside of Talladega aren't anything, like, earth-shattering. Yeah, Priest is a tricky guy to read this week as well. Um, he had, he does have a history of moving up here in the last four um, Dover races in the Cup Series. He starts on average 29th and finishes 24 and a half. Um, does have to one top 20. Does have one top 20. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll have some exposure to Priest. Um, if he can keep it clean, I think he can move up. Um, gonna avoid Bubba Wallace again. Uh, probably. When do you think of- Bubba gets his first top 15 of the year? Um, probably Labor Day at Daytona. Is that when Daytona is this year? Yeah, it's the last race of the uh, the regular season. Um, well, it's not going to be a road course for sure. We know that he has a disdain for road courses. Um, so there's several of those coming up. Um, that's a good question because we're kind of done with the short tracks for a little while. Right, we're done mm-hmm. with the plate races until, and we Daytona. have a bunch of road courses coming up. Yeah, we've got like another six. I think there's another six to go on the schedule, if I'm not mistaken, because mm-hmm. we've only had one so far. All right, Daytona road course. Um, we've got Coda, we've got Sonoma, Watkins Glen, Road America, Indy Road, and the Roval, the Charlotte Rovals. Uh, so none of those are going to be top 15s for Bubba Wallace. <laughs> we can pretty much guarantee that. So yeah, maybe Labor Day that might be a reasonable. <laughs> that might be a reasonable deal. I don't know. Can he pull it off at Pocono? Oh, is Pocono a double header this year? It is a double header. So is it possible that he pulls it off on Sunday of Pocono because he it flips and he gets close enough on Saturday that he just has <laughs> to move up a few spots? Um, All right. Well, we derailed a little bit. Uh, a little bit. Any, any other uh, value plays that you're looking at? Uh, for me, it's mostly Chastain, Busher, a little bit of Ryan Priest, although I'm starting to get a little bearish on him. I still cannot bring myself to play Anthony Alfredo. Nope. Fast Pasta is uh, not an option right now. Yeah, it just sucks looking at these value guys because I know that they could be a lap down come competition caution, and then they could be two laps down by the end of stage one. Yeah, and that's not, you know, not including anything that happens to go wrong um, with their mechanics. Um, I know before the podcast we had talked, is this the week that Kyle Busch shakes the... uh, he had a run here where you just didn't play him in the spring race because he never finished all that great um, at Dover, but he seems to have shaken that of late. So he's back in play this week. Um, but a couple of years ago, there was a run there where he never finished better than like 26th in the spring race. Um, but in the last uh, oh, five races here, he's finished no worse than 11th, so... All right, Matt. Well, thank you for your time. Thought that was a pretty um, 
It was a detailed breakdown. Didn't it really was have, detailed. We didn't really have any structure to it, but at the same time, it, it was thought-provoking. Yeah. Um, we'll have strategy write-ups in the, in the content this week. Um, <clears throat> I would say it's probably a better GPP week than a cash week, um, simply because we treat it like a short track, and those tend to be better for GPPs. Think two weeks builds. better GPP week than a cash week, in my opinion. Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> it's NASCAR; anything can happen. So, um, cash is still in play. It's not like Talladega or Daytona where you just straight up don't play it. Um, you know, you're gonna want certainly one lamps led dominator. If we can get two in there, great. It's kind of hard to bank on. You're gonna get one right, and then you're gonna miss on the other one almost assuredly. Um, and then you're going to have to go find the value plays who are going to either hold their spot or move up just enough to hit value. Cause it's, it's going to be a little tricky this week. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, we'll, uh, we'll be in the chat this weekend. Matt will be in there on Saturday covering for me and then I'll cover for Matt on Sunday. But, uh, Matt, thanks so much. We'll be on the lookout for all of your content and my one weekly write up. Go me. Uh, but Matt, thank you for your time. Best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.